Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness, morning. Christ Church Kingwood is a Christ-centered church that seeks to proclaim the gospel in both word and deed by glorifying God and making disciples of Jesus Christ. Join us now as we worship together in the ministry of the word. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Well, good morning. Well, once again, so glad you guys are here with us this morning as we are celebrating another um, Sunday in Advent. Uh, if you just join us, we've been walking through uh, the last few weeks the, the songs of praise and adoration that have been leading up to the, the birth of Christ. Uh, two weeks ago, we looked at Mary's Magnificat and the longing and the, the hope that was found in there. And then last week, Carrie uh, looked at Zachariah's song and prophecy of praise and of hope and of future expectancy. And if you didn't listen to that, I encourage you to go back on the podcast, check that one out. It was really uh, an encouraging uh, message. So this morning, we're going to look at one last song, a, a short refrain uh, that was sung by the angels, the heavenly host, to these shepherds on a Bethlehem hillside. So if you have your Bibles, let's dive in. Uh, Luke chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 8 through 20. Luke 2, 8 through 20. It's going to be uh, where we set the stage. Our primary focus is going to be on verse 14, uh, but we're going to read the rest for a little context and application. So if you will, read with me. Starting in verse 8, he says, And in the same region, and if you want, you can imagine the voice of Linus from Charlie, and the Br Charlie Brown <laughs> uh, reading this, because this is literally what he read. Uh, but he says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you that you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And the angel went away from them into heaven, and the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known to them the saying that had been told to them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Let's pray. Father, may we turn our hearts and our minds to you this morning. As we open your word, let us hear from you. Let us know you more. 
Let us see our sin laid bare before us that we might um, put it to death, depart from it, and cling to the hope and the salvation found in Christ alone. That we could, with the shepherds returning to all that we are doing, let us glorify your name and praise you for all that we have seen and heard in your son Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. All right, so what we have happening here, this, this short, relatively short narrative, uh, it's like the second act of what has unfolded around uh, the birth of Christ. You have, you have Mary and Joseph that are welcoming the newborn Jesus into the world, and then there are these shepherds in the hill country surrounding Bethlehem. They're watching over the sheep, and the text tells us that as they're doing this, this angel of the Lord appeared to them, and they were filled with fear because it's a scary thing, I'm sure, to be confronted with the angel of the Lord. And um, he, he tells them, he calms them down and tells them not to be afraid, but to have hope. For he came with good news that this, this Savior that was long looked for, long hoped for, had finally appeared. And he was to be found near them in, in Bethlehem, in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes. And then we see as he's finished proclaiming this, this heavenly host, all these angels appearing with him and they burst into song, right? It actually says, and they were saying, but you can't, you can't see this and not imagine just this, this song that's unfolding. And he says in verse 14, they, they proclaimed to the highest of the heavens, to everywhere, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And so we have this, this one verse, and this is the song we're going to be considering this morning. The shortest of the songs we'll look at this Advent season. The angel and the host of heaven are proclaiming to these poor shepherds that God is to be glorified above all. Why? It says because peace has come to his people. The, the prince of peace, the peace of God is now on earth. And the angels are singing it to the tops of the heavens. Glory to God in the highest. That means in every sphere of this world, in everything, God is saying, or these angels are saying, glorify God, glory to God. Creation is, is proclaiming with them, with joy. This idea of peace. This is what I want to reflect on this morning, this peace. Because the, the Christmas season, so much of it revolves around this word peace. You see it on, on ads, on billboards, if you still look at those, on, on everything, Christmas carols. It just seems to uh, appear everywhere this time of year, this, this word peace. But it would seem that the peace that these angels are proclaiming has been replaced by this more hallmarkish, more surface-level understanding of what peace is. It seems the angels proclaimed it, and then the world mistook it for what they meant. And so what I want to do is ask this question, what is this peace that the angels have proclaimed that is now on earth? What reason do they sing to glorify God? Now, some might say that this, this peace is this idea of political or, or national peace. 
And this seems more common in times when there is political unrest or national unrest or wars are being fought around the globe. And, and it's safe to say we have a few of those unfolding right now. So there's this idea. People say, oh, the peace at Christmas time, this peace that the angels were singing must be this peace of this political peace, national peace, where wars on this earth are going to cease. And two popular Christmas songs make this point very well. And they were written well over 100 years apart, right? You have Henry Wadsworth Longfellow's I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. And then you have at the other end, 110 years later, John Lennon and Yoko Ono singing Happy Christmas, War is Over. Now, Longfellow's was written on Christmas Day, just before the end of the Civil War. And he's saying... Uh, he's hearing these, these cannons thundering in the south and there's just this national unrest as the, the, the United States was torn in two and war is unfolding. And then you have War is Over, which was written by uh, Lenin in the early 70s and it's kind of this grand finale of sorts as the couple that have been protesting the American involvement in the Vietnam War. And for one, you hear him say... Uh, he, he hears the accursed cannons in the south tearing the nations apart, and he's longing for peace. And he hoped in that song that peace would come at Christmas, and that peace of the angels that the angels were singing about meant this national peace, that there would be an end to this war. And then you have Lennon a hundred years later singing, So this is Christmas, war is over if you want. And you have... This hope that he was just hoping that the Christmas spirit might put an end to war that he felt dragged on and cost too many lives. And it's fitting, right? If not a little ironic that these songs that want peace so badly and want an end to a war, whether it was a war in the 1800s or a war in this century, this last century, they want an end to war. And it seems to match well with this idea of, of the Prince of Peace being born that we're celebrating at Christmas. And, and you have in these songs this, this hope for a peace to come. But the ironic thing is, even in, in Happy Christmas, the song that Lennon wrote, he's talking about the war will end if you want. He never actually mentions the word peace. Peace is not mentioned in the song. It's just this end of a hostility. And so they're hoping for peace would just be an end to fighting and to strife. And that would be the end of it. But clearly, the peace that these angels are proclaiming is not merely a peace of national peace, an end of civil war or international conflict. And I say clearly because of the statements you see that Jesus makes later in the Gospels. He says, in Luke 12, he says, Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. So after the Prince of Peace arrives, you have him, him proclaiming this. I have not come to bring peace, but division. In Matthew's uh, telling of this, he actually says, I have not come to bring peace, but the sword. In Mark 13, he tells his disciples that nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes and famine. And then he says, these are just the birth pains. Guys, these are some difficult texts to wrap our mind around, right? And it's kind of a downer 
I'm saying all these things at Christmas, right? Um, But peace on earth is what's proclaimed. Peace on earth. If you think of the, the hymn, peace on earth and mercy mild. Aren't those the words? A thousand or more wars have moved across the face of the earth since that day in Bethlehem. In fact, if you just want a couple numbers, since the last war we considered to be a world war, there have been a total of 26 days of world peace. In 80 years, 80 plus years, 26 days of world peace. So much for peace, right? We have daily in our hearts, in our minds, flooded with these images of growing unrest in the world, whether unrest and war in Ukraine, in Israel, conflicts with China or Russia. There are all these things unfolding. Christ tells us to expect war and rumors of war. And church family, what I'm not saying is it's wrong to pray for peace in those situations. Pray Pray that Christ would move in a mighty way. But what we're looking at here is this idea of what peace came. What was this peace that was proclaimed in Luke 2? And it is not a political or national peace. It is not a peace that ends these earthly conflicts, at least not yet. But even still, the angels are singing glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. So it is not this idea of political peace, nor is, are, are these angels singing of this peace that, that is this inner self-help peace. This idea is, is quite popular in, in modern circles and on the internet today. You just have to find peace within yourself, right? Peace in your, your surroundings. Many will say that there is, there's peace in this balance of life, peace in the equilibrium. And so we, we're subject to these social influencers, social media influencers and experts telling you that peace is achieved in yourself, so take care of yourself. And that Christ, it's this idea that Christ would, would come to bring you this kind of peace, this, this inner equilibrium, as if Christ came and died to give us a good night's rest. It is this idea, this inner peace that people might proclaim is this idea of of feeling good about yourself or self-esteem so that you and your family can get along, so that you can have everything you've wanted. But this peace of Christmas that's proclaimed in Luke 2 is not a New Year's resolution for productivity or better relationships. It's not a a self-help New Year's resolution And Christ, again, makes some difficult statements, but that make it quite clear. In Luke 12, he says, I came to cast fire on the earth and would that it were already kindled. From now on, in one house, there will be five divided, three against two, two against three. They will be divided, father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Guys, Jesus is promising his disciples that they will suffer persecution. 
And they will be handed over to the authorities by their own family, by their own friends. That there will be many difficult nights and days ahead of them. He promises no balance, no equilibrium. But instead, he he promises the, the assurance of suffering or of difficulty in this life. We looked at Philippians a few months ago, and Paul reminds us of that in the first chapter of Philippians, that belief in Christ and suffering go hand in hand. Why? Because when Christ comes into our lives, our priorities are turned upside down. They are flipped, and his Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, calls us to righteousness, and disturbs every part of our comfortable existence until we are wholly his. And even as this is happening, even as his Holy Spirit is working in us, there is still this lack of inner peace, right? Paul, Paul talks about this in Romans 7 where he is saying, the things I do not want to do, I do. And so we, we cling to the hope of Christ and his work. But we, we come back to this peace that's being proclaimed here. The peace of Luke is not this peace that's found in inner peace or in a peaceful life. Now, again, don't, don't hear me wrong, church family. This is, uh, I'm not saying that we don't have peace with Christ. When Christ came he, came, he gave us the peace of assurance, the peace of his presence. And as we follow after him, We have his peace and we can rest in it even in the midst of turmoil and strife. He says, come to me for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So even when our world is falling apart, as it is falling apart, and some of us in here, that might be you this morning, wanting peace of circumstances but needing peace of presence in Christ. And this is the point. The world is tough, hard as stone, and we will have trouble in it. And so we must understand what peace is being proclaimed here, what peace the angels are singing about, heralding to the shepherds and to the world and all of creation. We don't have national or political or even international peace We don't always have inner peace that our hearts are longing for or peace in our families or in our relationships. In this world, there is suffering and we hurt and we are rejected. And yes, sometimes we make others suffer and hurt and feel rejected because we still struggle with sin. And so we're back to this question, right? It's not inner peace. It is not national peace and peace from striving in this world. So what is this peace? What is this Luke 2 peace that the, air, the angels are heralding and proclaiming? It is not a feeling, nor is it a sentiment at Christmas time. This is not the idea of Bing Crosby's silky smooth baritone singing with a pipe just in hand and snow falling at just the right amount with twinkling lights in the back. This is not that kind of peace that that image evokes in our mind. So what is it? One way to understand the peace 
that the angels are proclaiming. The peace that is spoken here in Luke 2 is this state of peace that follows a state of war or hostility. This is the same word that Jesus used as he looked on Jerusalem as he is headed towards his death where he stands over Jerusalem and proclaims, would that you, even you, would know this day the things that make for peace. It is this idea of peace that comes after war and suffering and striving. It is the terms of peace to end a war. It is this idea of unity after discord, of unification after war and conflict. You see, the angels are proclaiming to the shepherds in a field the terms of peace for this war have arrived. If Christ is our peace, then what war am we speaking of? What war is being waged if it is not these national conflicts that we spoke of earlier? What war are they proclaiming this peace treaty for? It is yours and mine. It is humanity's war against God. Humanity's war against God. Paul reminds us in Romans 8, verse 7, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. There is a hostility towards God. There are so many verses about this in Scripture, about our deplorable condition apart from Christ Jesus. When we are outside of Christ, we are fighting, battling, waging war on God, as, as uh, Spurgeon said. We are suppressing the truth with unrighteousness. We are dead in our transgressions and sins. We are following the ruler and the power of this world, that is, Satan. Before the peace that these angels are heralding came, we were more plainly without hope in our condition. And I love, right, he's, he's proclaiming the terms of peace to end the hostility between God and man, between man's waging war on God, and he shows up with the, uh, in the manger with an army. It says the host of angels, a heavenly host, joined him and sung. It's a funny word, host. It doesn't mean much to us, but what it is is namely an army, right? It is a band of soldiers uh, coming together. If you have, if you have the, the CSB version, that's how it translates that word. And over and over again in the Psalms, we've been reading through the Psalms uh, a few times now this last year uh, in our Bible reading plan. And the CSB, every time you read the word Lords of, Lord of hosts in those Psalms, uh, in the ESV, it's translated in the CSB, the Lord of Armies. And so an army of angels show up, not with weapons to issue judgment and to end the war in a battle, but to proclaim peace. 
A band of angelic soldiers filled the night sky with what must have been a terrifying spectacle to behold. And they did not come with weapons, but they proclaimed peace. A peace that is to be written in the blood of the baby who was just born. Peace to men and women who are helpless in their state, who do not deserve it. He, they came to proclaim peace to you and I and to all who might believe. You see, Paul beautifully sums this up in Ephesians 2 and 12 and 14. He says, remember that you were at one time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, covenants of promise. He says, having no hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And look at 14. He says, for he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. This, brothers and sisters, this is the peace that the angels are proclaiming. That the dividing wall of hostility has been broken down. And that he himself is our peace. And he, by his blood, has brought us near to the throne of God. The Bible is full of so many beautiful passages about this peace that Christ has made for us. The end of our war with God the Father. In Romans 5, Paul says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And then again in Colossians 1, he says, For in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether in, on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. He is making peace. Peace by the blood of his cross. This is the peace that was purchased for us in Christ. This is the peace that is proclaimed by these, this angelic host to the shepherds in Bethlehem. Christ is making peace for us by the blood of the cross. You see, political peace between nations in international situations, political peace will come and go. More come than go as we've seen in history. Relational, emotional, financial, inner peace and stability are just as fickle and just as temporary. But this peace, the peace that Christ has made for us with God, is eternal and secure. The Christmas carol that we know so well, hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. Right, he's, he's proclaiming what these angels are saying. He's saying, hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. 
God and sinners reconciled forever and eternally in Christ Jesus. This is the peace that is being proclaimed at Christmas. This is the reason that all creation joins in singing with the angels to the highest in all of creation. Peace. We should not settle for or dumb down the peace that we hold to at Christmas time. So what are we to do with this peace? What does it mean for us today? The peace, dear ones, the peace that was offered to us in the love of God incarnate, in the word of God, Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace that Isaiah foretold, is not a peace for a moment. It's not merely peace to end some earthly war. It is not peace for a good night's sleep or a clear conscience. But rather, Christ Jesus, the Prince of Peace, has come. And the end of war, it means the end of war for those who he has called to himself for all eternity. So, brothers and sisters, we need to stop living like we are merely under a ceasefire. Keep no foot in the world that he has called you out of. You are not captive to its siren song, nor held by its power. In in John's gospel in chapter 16, Jesus says he gives us peace, his peace, because he says in this world we will have tribulation. We will suffer, but we should take heart for he has overcome the world. This fallen world and the sin that permeates it are difficult to tread. And many of us in this room find ourselves in various points of trial or tribulation. And we could do with a reminder of this peace, the peace of Christ. So that peace will then be in our homes Peace in our families, peace in our surroundings, our jobs, our relationships, our marriages. You see, Christ's call is simple. Come to me, you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Brothers and sisters, if we come to Christ, we find hope and peace in Christ. Not peace for circumstance, but peace in his presence. Just as he reminds us, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, and I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled or fearful. See, the peace of God that reconciles sinners to himself should pierce every part of your life, every part of your being. This is not merely a ticket to ride, to quote another Lennon song. It should affect the whole of our lives. Where you were once enemies and hostile to God, you are now sons and daughters. And he reminds us, Paul reminds us in Colossians, he says, and the way we do that is we let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts 
to which you were indeed called in one body, and be thankful. If Christ, the Prince of Peace, reconciled to you, to God, by his blood, your hearts are now under his authority. And so we cling to him, not to the world. We cling to his peace in our homes, in our marriages, in our finances, in those difficult relationships or jobs. We cling to the peace of God in Christ, which surpasses all understanding. So instead of putting up walls of hostility, walls of anger, walls of fear or lust, we are to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. So that as we go in this world, as we parent, as we live our lives, we might, along with the angels, proclaim, as the shepherds did when they departed, proclaimed glory to God in the highest and peace among those with whom he is pleased. We are to be praising the Father for the work of salvation that he has done, praising him for peace that has come that we celebrate at Christmas time, peace that is not political but eternal, the peace of God that is not the absence of hostility but the fullness of his presence. Brothers and sisters, if that is something you know, let it rule in your hearts. And if you're in here and that is something you do not know, you're saying, I have not been made aware of this treaty that has been proclaimed, these terms of peace that have been delivered, then you can come grab one of us, grab one of the elders, grab one of the people in the back that will be back there to pray in a little bit. We would love to tell you about these terms of peace. But guys, as we interact with the world this Christmas time and peace is proclaimed, we need to be clear about what that peace actually is. It is the peace of God delivered through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the peace and reconciliation that has been made through your son, Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that as we go our separate ways today, this week leading up to Christmas, that we would be clear in our hearts, in our homes, in our lives of what the peace of Christmas truly is. It is that God and sinners have been reconciled through your son, Jesus Christ. Father, that should be on our lips, just as it was when the shepherds returned, telling everyone they saw of what they had seen, what they had heard, and of the good news of peace with God that has been delivered. Father, if we, if we know that, let us cling to it. Let us let the peace of God and Jesus Christ rule in our hearts so that as we interact with others, we might proclaim the peace to them and the forgiveness that has been given to us. Let us give to one another. Father, we pray this all in the name of your Son. Amen. Praise God for the Lord.
Thank you for worshiping with us through the preaching of God's Word. We exist to glorify God by making disciples. We would love to have you join us in person as we gather together on Sundays at 10 a.m. at the Covenant Preparatory School on Hamlin Road in Kingwood, Texas. To learn more about Christ Church Kingwood, visit our website at ChristChurchKingwood.org.